folks today is thursday october 20th 2022 welcome to episode number 223 of simply cyber's daily cyber threat brief i'm your host dr gerald dozier and over the next 45 minutes you me and all of chat will be ripping through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and i'll be providing what you know my analysis my take my my spicy angle on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner so how can you operationalize it today? And as someone breaking into the industry, you're definitely gonna be asked, how do you stay current? And this will be a dynamite answer for you. But before we get into it, I'd love to give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, my good friends, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions, Eric Taylor and the whole gang over there, Casually Joseph, etc. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recovering from the damage done from those attacks. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below if you want to go that route. Now, I also want to give a shout out to Recon InfoSec, our other stream sponsor. Love Eric Capuano and the whole gang over there. If your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged security operations center uh, or a security operations capability from the ground up, check out the Managed Detection and Response MDR offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. So basically, just in case you guys don't know, there is this like great uncanny valley between small business not really needing security operations and large businesses being able to hire uh, on, on staff, SecOps people. And for those middle grounds, getting an MDR service is actually a really great option because it's professional services, the color of the money, if you will. Um, CFOs can um, you know tolerate a little bit better and it's just a great option. Jeremy Williams with the super chat. Thanks so much, Jeremy Williams. I'm a little confused why chat is not streaming right now. Let me let me take a look at that. Oh, there we go. There we go. I see it now. Okay, cool. Thanks, Jeremy Williams, for the <clears throat> for the super chat. I want to remind you guys, um, and I did a little bit more research into this. If you hold professional certifications that acquire CPs, specifically ISC squared and ISACA certifications. I want to remind you that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing can qualify as half a CPE. So two and a half a week, roughly 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat uh, to kind of like roll call and document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. I did some research yesterday. I looked at CompTIA. I looked at GIAC, ISC squared, ISACA. Guys, the way CompTIA does it, I don't think what we do here every morning, even though it's mad value, qualifies as CPEs. So be sure to check your uh, certification body for uh, their policies and see if it applies. I, I'm telling you, ISC squared and ISACA, I can make a pretty compelling argument for you. The other ones you just want to double check. But guys, I've been in the industry a long time based on what we're doing here and 
just what I know about the industry. This qualifies as continuing education. If you're live, love it. Absolutely love it. Hit hashtag team live in chat. Thanks for being here. If you're on replay, thanks for catching the stream. Hashtag team replay in the comments. Be sure to drop a comment. That's always good. Uh, if you want to jump right to the news, uh, I had uh, you know a Simply Cyber community member reach out to me yesterday and tell me that I had a big ego and that I would do a lot of jaw jacking, which... I, I've never heard the term jawjacking before, so I think that means that I, I talk more than I'm, I need to, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but if you're not into me speaking, feel free to watch the replay. Jump around. Uh, skip the parts where I'm jawjacking uh, and just get the value of the news. And if you want to just get the news, go to sissoseries.com and check out their podcast. It's what we use to piggyback on the stream, uh, and it's excellent content. Definitely appreciate David Spark and the whole team over there. But before we get into the news, y'all, I do want to spend just a few minutes hanging out saying welcome to everybody. Welcome you to the show. Let a couple people who are running a few minutes late show up and then we'll get into the news. Hopefully you enjoyed the Roots Adrenaline. I'm always a big fan of it. Um, and we've got a lot going on here. Oh, thank you, Carrie, for the kind words. Uh, Jeremy Williams is, I like Jeremy Williams. He's cool. Uh, yeah, hashtag jawjacking. Might have to get an emote for jawjacking. You guys can let me know. I will say, dude, I like to be held accountable as much as the next person. I serve the Simply Cyber community. If, uh, you know, there was some talk about maybe we went a little long, 60 minutes, I brought it back to 45 minutes, and we've been doing that for a while. So I'm not above, um, you know, uh, modifying the show to accommodate everybody. Um, but just letting you know, um, Looking at chat right here. I want to say hi to uh, Paula Terranova, Chuck Boy, Joel Belton. Kimberly can fix it. Kimberly, hopefully you saw that uh, call out I did on Twitter yesterday uh, to you around TCM security. I thought that that was a really cool fix. Nathan Bolin, my man. Nightshade. Hey, if MDK is in the chat, I sent you a message. Uh, Shane Prevost, um, I saw your message. Uh, I've just got a lot going on. I'm heading out of town later today. Actually, as soon as this stream is over, I'm heading out of town. Adam Vi, good to see you. Omar Alvarez, it's all good. Thanks. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Ahmed Aran. Tropic Thunder's funny. Uh, Tom Cruise in that video, in that movie, was fantastically funny. Uh, hey, Casey, what's going on? Kansas City in the house. Jason Wheat saying, what's up, Team Live? I love it. It's nice that you talk a little bit. makes it more personal, not just reading the news. Thanks, Tone. That's kind of what I was thinking when I started the show all those many moons ago. I can't wait till 2.30 for Jax's stream today. Exactly, guys. I'm going to promote this a couple times uh, today on stream, but I want everyone to know. Um, oh, good. I, I've, just received, I've just received a definition of jawjacking. Here we go. It means one who is always has something to say, but it's not saying much of anything. <laughs> wow. That is uh, much, much more uh, brutal than I thought as far as calling me a jawjacker. Uh, thanks, Paula Terranova. Guys, I want to share with you really quickly. Um, later today, um, this will be Jack Scott. She's doing uh, a breaking into cyber with no experience in collaboration with NIST and uh, the National Institute for Cybersecurity Education. This is a live stream. It will be broadcast on Simply Cyber's channels later today as well. Uh, Jack Scott of Outpost Great does wonderful work. If you don't know her, you're definitely going to want to check her out. She's part of the community, um, and she just she delivers excellence. And uh, very happy to be associated with Outpost Great. 
All right, guys. I didn't see what Mel Cobbs did, but hopefully it's wicked awesome. Congratulations, Mel Cobbs, uh, on, on it. I know if people in the community are congratulating you, it must have been pretty great. So good for you. All right, guys. Um, we're right at time. Let's get into the news and have a good, uh, good stream. So stay tuned. Sit back, relax, and let's get into it. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Thursday, October 20th, 2022. Ransom cartel linked to Revil. Researchers at Palo Alto Networks published a report showing links between the relatively new and creatively named Ransom Cartel with the Revil cybercrime organization. Since launching in late December 2022, security researchers speculated the two might be linked, but it wasn't clear how. Now Palo Alto Networks found numerous malware code similarities between the two groups in their mm. encryption scheme. Notably, Ransom appears to use an earlier version of Revil's code and doesn't um. use extensive code obfuscation techniques. All right. Do we need cybersecurity training all right. for Gen Z? Come on, calm down, calm down, calm down. Okay, so, all right, no surprise, guys. A couple things here. One, Unit 42, if you don't know about them, they're Palo Alto's kind of threat intelligence group. They do excellent, excellent work, an absolute must-follow. Uh, they have blog posts and stuff like that. Really smart, smart individuals over there. Now, if Unit 42 is linking Ransom Cartel to Revil, no surprise, guys. Remember, Revil got busted. The Ukrainian police kicked in their door back in early 2022 and um, basically um, broke up that gang. Well... No surprise. It's only like you, you can cut off the head, but multiple heads grow back. Guys, ransomware is a super lucrative operation. Revil was very good at it. Um, and the people who, like if Revil busted up, all of a sudden you go from making lots of money to making no money. And you have a certain set of skills that allows you to make a lot of money. You're definitely going to lean into it. So renaming it Ransom Cartel, whatever. Um, you know, maybe they're doing kind of ransomware as a service and that's why they're calling a cartel. But long story short, I'm not surprised to see Revil kind of reemerge under a different banner. All of the major threat actor groups do this. Look at um, Darkseid, took down Colonial Pipeline. The heat was too hot. They became Black Matter. Heat gets too hot. They become Black Cat or Alfie. So they're, they're going to do this, guys. There's only so many people... Um, I mean, there's a lot of people doing ransomware, but, you know, in the grand total of our Earth population, there's only a certain amount of people doing it, uh, and they're going to continue doing it until they, you know, it's not making money or the risk is too high. According to the 2022 EY Human Risk and Cybersecurity Survey from Ernst & Young, 83% of all U.S. employees understand an employer's cybersecurity protocols. However, the data also shows that Gen Z and millennial workers appear the least likely to prioritize them. The survey found younger workers were more likely to disregard mandatory IT security updates as long as possible, finding the behavior in 58% and 42% of Gen Z and millennials, respectively, compared to just 15% of baby boomers. Gen Z and millennials were also the most likely to reuse passwords for professional and personal accounts. The study recommends more personalized security training to help narrow this gap. All right. So... I mean, obviously, the, in the story, they say more personalized training. Isn't that been the bang against millennials and uh, Gen Z specifically that they they're everybody's a special snowflake and everybody needs personalized training, right? That's the big knock that boomers, uh, Gen Xers have against millennials and Gen Z. Guys, I flipped out about this at length um, yesterday, I think, on stream. 
I'm not going to spend a lot more time on this. Essentially, this is another finding from the Ernst & Young thing. Guys, you know what? If Gen Z needs special attention and personalized security, then guess what? That's the job. I like you have to meet you have to meet your end users and connect with them and communicate with them in a way that works for them. Again, you can't be like, "Oh, this is the way I do it and you conform to me." No, you are serving a business. You're serving an organization and trying to reduce cyber risk for them. And guys, if if a uh, you know, greatest generation prefers to have written letters and Gen Z wants to speak in animated GIFs and emotes only, then guess what? Communicate in the way that's most effective because you're stubborn and obstinate if you think that the way that you prefer to communicate is the right way to deliver communication and messaging to different populations of end users to have it effectively modify their behavior, which is effectively what cybersecurity awareness training actually is. So having said all that, if you're, if you're a little bit gray in the hair, if you are put out by having to put forth the extra effort in order to communicate the same message, like don't reuse passwords, but have it in an email, have it in a text message and have it in some type of like TikTok video. I'm being playfully humorous here. My point is you can't do like, it's not like write once, send many. You have to connect and engage with different communities, different people that are have access to your internal network and your internal assets, guys, right? So don't be so high and mighty. That's the TLDR on this one. Open Compute Project announces Calyptra. At the OCP Global Summit in San Jose, members of the project announced this new root of trust specification designed to provide a verifiable cryptographic assurance of an SOC security configuration. Calyptra operates as a reusable drop-in silicon code block that can be integrated across ASICs and SOCs. While hardware root of trust solutions exist on the market, OCP found these applied inconsistently. Calyptra hopes to standardize this approach. OCP members behind the standard include AMD, Google, Microsoft, and NVIDIA. Okay. All right, guys, I didn't fully understand all this, but it sounds like they're trying to come up with secure architecture reliable secure architecture for system on chip ip block implementation i've never heard this term ip block implementation so i don't know what that means maybe people in chat do but essentially what it sounds like they're trying to do is come up with a way to have more secure cloud architecture here's my thing like it's a fine idea i'm glad that like amd and all these other big names are on board with it uh for a trusted chipset but guys in reality where many of us live if you've already invested X amount of money, let's say a million dollars into hardware, do you, do you really think that businesses are going to be like, oh, you've come up with a new, secure, more secure way of doing things? Let me tear out all this existing, fully functional, completely supported, paid for hardware and replace it with more expensive hardware and do nothing with this already sunk cost. That's not how it works, guys. Like it's hard enough getting legacy systems and end of life systems replaced. Do you really think we're gonna get any traction with replacing existing supported systems? No. So this is a long play. If they have this um, Calyptra, Calyptra thing and it ends up being wicked secure and everything's fantastic, let's go, like, hold on, let, like, Everybody on board, let's go. But it's going to take years uh, to phase out existing technology and replace it with this newer technology, right? Like, there's no, no one, no, no one 
is going to replace this for the sake of more security. Guys, we can barely get businesses to put security in place. It's, we can barely get it uh, at, like, at our own budget. You really think they're going to replace all this hardware? Get, get uh. Uh, it's, it's laughable. Airdrop used to spread dissent in China. In the U.S., people use Apple's Airdrop service to quickly move media and files across mobile and desktop. But this same frictionless sending has found a home in China to electronically share dissenting information against the current regime. Vice published a piece looking at the practice, with users reporting receiving airdrop messages on public transit that Xi Jinping's iPhone would like to share a photo. Chinese state censorship requires social media companies to closely monitor and remove dissent against the regime, even in private messages. Airdrops required close range, Bluetooth discovery, and point-to-point Wi-Fi connection make it hard to block and trace, even when used in public. Okay, so that is interesting. I had no idea that it was difficult to trace who was airdropping you. I was sitting next to Tom Pike at World West Hackenfest, uh, uh, Wild West Hackenfest, and like he got like a hey, somebody wants to airdrop. By the way, t- uh, best practice: don't accept random airdrops at security conferences. Um, I did not know, like, so, okay, so this is a cool way to kind of anonymously and subtly share, um, you know, protest information. You know, back in the 1700s, uh, revolutionaries in the U.S. colonies would meet at bars, get wicked hammered, and then talk about revolution in the air. Um, Nowadays, but, like, you still had to do it secretly, right? You'd maybe go in the back room and then um, do that type of stuff. Now you could just kind of push a message. That means like six of us could be sitting on the train and I could push it to you guys and no one would know that we had done it if there was like 20 other people on the train, right? So it's very discreet. Um, my original concern was like, holy crap, like, dude, if you're if you're in China pushing anti-authoritative uh, regime messaging, you're taking your life in your, your own hands, literally taking your own life in your own hands. We've seen multiple cases of celebrities who speak out and then they disappear for like two weeks and then they come back and they have a very different, <laughs> they have a very different, um, attitude and perspective okay so this is interesting um you know it's a it's an interesting use case for spreading information and i just like to speak at a high level i don't like to go too deep on cybersecurity um on and non-cybersecurity topics but this is an indication of how uh people are feeling in china about some of the authoritative regime uh things that are going on also, I would not be surprised to see something like this happening in Russia as well. A lot of the Russian citizens are very upset with what the government is doing um, in the in the Ukrainian space. Uh, and this is one way to kind of uh, collaborate and uh, share messaging. And effectively, this is just the misinformation pan- campaign. You could, I mean, this is just the information campaign. You could also use this for coordinating, um, you know, uh, riot, not riots, uh, protests, excuse me. Uh, or any other type of coordinated action. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor, SafeBase. Security questionnaires. Yeah, Iran too. Good point, 24-7 machines, Iran too. SafeBase. SafeBase's Smart Trust Center is a centralized source of truth for your organization's security and compliance information. After implementing SafeBase, many companies see a 90% reduction in custom questionnaires. Imagine how much time you'd save. Visit safebase.com to find out more. All right. So really quickly, um, I don't want to. I don't want to be jaw jacking up in here. I just want to remind everybody uh, that if you haven't gotten the newsletter, um, hold on. Let me. 
If you haven't gotten the newsletter, the yellow uh, text up here, simplycyber.io slash newsletter, you could sign up for it. I send it once um, a, a week on Monday mornings every week. It includes three actionable steps that you can use almost instantly um, in order to... Oh, thanks so much for the squad membership, Robert Mueller. Um, I wonder if that's Mueller from the Mueller Report. Um, thanks so much. Guys, sign up for the newsletter. You just drop your email in there. Uh, I deliver it, and, you know, it's it's a pretty good... I, I think it's a good email. Ask other people in chat if they think the email is worth a damn. Don't take my opinion. Take the community. Really, only if you want to deliver excellence at work. It is Thursday, so I want to give a shout-out to Haircut Fish. Um, AKA Dan Reardon here on the channel. He provides uh, meme Thursdays. This is this Thursday's meme. We are so close to uh, Halloween. So we've got a Freddy Krueger one. Welcome to my nightmare. Uh, and I think it's, I mean, that's clearly me as Freddy Krueger. And I think I'm, I, I'm not hundred percent sure what uh, haircut fish was doing here, but it, I'm on a microphone. I'm definitely wailing on the microphone. So I'm ripping it up. Uh, thanks so much. Haircut fish for the, for the uh, meme of the week, okay? Guys, just real quick reminder, um, Jack Scott later today, I think it's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to drop a link in chat. Um, excellent value there. Uh, come come support her. I'm going to be dialed in. I'll be in the car. Um, I'll be in the car traveling. Oh, you know what? I'm so sorry, guys. What, what is it, my first day here? How am I gonna? How am I not gonna play Simple Minds while we're doing the mid rolls? Jesus, how dare I? How dare I? Okay, guys, uh, come support Jack Scott. And if you're trying to break into the industry, whoever you are, right? I know there's many of us in here who are in the industry, but there's many who are trying to get in. If you're trying to help someone get in the industry, Jax is going to deliver massive value today. It's live. I don't know what she's going to say. It'll be exciting. Come check it out. Thank you so much. Let's get back into the news. Although I could listen to this song all day. Jaw jacking jacked you up. That's right. So much jaw jacking. Jack, 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 jack. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. Cacao Talk co-CEO steps down. Nam Kung Wan, the co-chief executive at the South Korean mobile messaging giant, stepped down on Wednesday. This followed the weekend's widespread outage due to a data center failure, which caused issues for its 53 million users worldwide. Juan won't get a chance to forget about the outage. The resignation will allow him to focus on his role as the lead for the emergency task force to solve the issues exposed by the outage. Aside from its role in messaging, people use KakaoTalk for a myriad of other things, from wiring money to hailing taxis. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yul indicated the investigation might look at the messaging service's market influence with an eye for future regulation. Oh my god. Okay, so... Man, different cultures are way different. Okay, so this guy, co-CEO, I don't even know how that works, honestly. Um, but co-CEO of a chat app that's so important to Korea, South Korea, um, that an outage caused massive issues. Now, a couple things. I don't know if this guy stepped aside out of pride or he is leading, he is leading a task force to look into um, how to handle crises when you lose your messaging app, okay? So... Very, I mean, he's very qualified. I don't know if he's going to get like more money or if this is like uh, kind of some self-sacrifice of pride, um, kind of like what you'd see in feudalism Japan way back in the, you know, you know, pre-colonialism time. But this dude, 
Guys, there was a freaking fire at the data center. He didn't start the fire, I'm sure. <laughs> Everybody with your Billy Joels, we didn't start the fire, okay? So I don't know who started the fire, but this dude, the, 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 the data center catches fire and the messaging app partially goes down and, and the CEO steps aside. Guys, we have like, like Facebook goes down for a period of time or Netflix goes down and it's like finger pointing everywhere. And this guy just like lays on the sword. So anyways, um, you know, I guess at minimum, it just shows you uh, how critically important two things are. One, how critically important um, messaging apps are in today's modern society, right? This one messaging app, like essentially like a WhatsApp or an iMessage or a Telegram signal, the biggest one in South Korea goes down and it's like, you know, critical infrastructure essentially. Also goes to show you um, how brittle you can have something where like a fire, uh, a fire happens at a data center and it knocks everything out. Like they didn't have hot standbys, hot backups, business continuity, right? I mean, they, they had some, I'm sure that came back online. Maybe they had warm servers or something like that. I mean, it wasn't, it's not still out, but my point is if it's critical infrastructure and you do the, the business impact analysis, the risk uh, calculation, and you find out that we need, this cannot suffer more than five minutes of outage then you need to invest, right? Guys, here's here's something to take away, right? You will always hear executives and stuff say like, especially CIO, like, oh, we cannot be down for any period of time. Like, absolutely, 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 right? And they're banging their fists on the table. Okay, that's fine. Thank you, Kuda, for the squad membership. Definitely appreciate that. Guys, they're banging their, 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 their hand on the table and that's fine. But now we get into risk appetite, right? Everybody's like, oh, I don't know how to calculate that, whatever. Okay, well, ma'am, sir, you want it up all the time. We can do that. We have the technology. We can solve for that. It's going to cost you $4 million, okay? So like, if you want what you're asking for, there is a cost associated with it. You don't get to ask for like, high availability systems and then pay bargain prices. Now, if, if your budget, what's your budget? Your budget's 200 grand. You know what? I can get you a thumb drive and, and have, you know, Carl running around with it and we can get you back up in seven days for $200,000. Okay. We've run the numbers. We've done the simulations. We might be able to get it a little faster, five days, depending on the impact, but you're not getting instant like rollover. That's a $4 million option. Now tell me about your risk appetite. Well, well, we could probably do three days. Okay. All right. So now we're, now we're actually doing something practical. $800,000. Okay. All right. Here's a check. You better get it. You better get it three days. Yeah, exactly. But this is, this is what I'm talking about. You have to like, obviously you have to do it. This is more CISO level talk, right? You have to do it in a a uh, pragmatic, objective way and really put your emotions to the side. But you need to explain when someone has a requirement that, has, that cannot be met without investment, you have to be able to clearly communicate that, articulate that up front and be crystal clear because guys, it is not uncommon to get a request, have the request change while in flight, right? Like, oh, hey, like we want... 
we want you to build some type of business continuity solution. We want to be able to recover from ransomware. Yeah, sure. No problem. What's my budget? Well, you know, you got $200,000 budget for your entire information security program. So you figure it out. All right. So you back into it. You make it a huge project for that year and you get, you can invest up to 40 grand. Well, while you're executing on that, they're like, yeah, hey, we, we really need to be able to recover like instantly. So make sure that that's part of it. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So you've already kind of screwed the pooch here. Like what you need to do is plan, say, all right, so we, we've allocated 40 grand for this project. Here's what it is. And here's what we're going to be able to deliver for that $40,000. You still on board? This is why communication is so important also. Okay. You do not, people make assumptions all the time, especially executives. And when assumptions are not requirements until they are, <laughs> and if you've already ex started executing on the project, you might not be able to meet those requirements given the constraints that you have. And then you end up, you know, either getting fired or, you know, not sleeping well because you've got this $40,000 solution that's not going to deliver on the requirements that they're expecting. And you ho you're hoping that you don't get um, a ransomware incident because you're not going to be able to recover. So anyways this is all about this outage, but there is an opportunity here for you to learn, especially for like more senior people um, around how to handle requirements from the business. Blue Sky announces authenticated transfer protocol. Since 2019, the Blue Sky team began work on a decentralized social media protocol, originally kicked off under the auspices of then Twitter CEO and founder Jack Dorsey. The team continued to work on the protocol since, mostly on GitHub, but announced the release of the Authenticated Transfer Protocol, or AT Protocol, as the start of a more public launch. It designed the AT Protocol to allow social networks to build on top of it while protecting private data, avoiding proprietary algorithms, and allowing mutual compatibility across networks using it. The team also opened a waitlist for a Blue Sky app framed as a browser for accessing the AT Protocol network. Okay. I will be quick and brief about this one. A decentralized social network with the goal to limit corporate and government influence. Okay, guys. We look at Facebook, we look at TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Okay, there's a little bit of government influence, like, you know, uh, you know, privacy rights or who's allowed to say what the big tech companies themselves. This is where I think it's actually more relevant. The big tech company themselves are introducing censorship. Who's in charge? Who gets to decide what gets censored? Are they leaning left? Are they leaning right? Some people are like, oh, Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter and going to open it up. And it's going to be much, a much different platform. We see like parlor and truth and all these other ones. Okay. Um, two things. One, how is a decentralized social network going to change anything, right? There's still influences, but it's people are saying what they want on these platforms as it is right now. They get suppressed. Algorithm gets suppressed by whoever's in charge. Well, if it's a decentralized social network, Blue Sky is still going to control it. So Blue Sky is going to decide what shows up in your feed, right? There's got to be some... If the, if the product's going to work well, they need to be able to make customers happy. And the way you make customers happy is by delivering content that they like. How do you know what they like? You study what they look at. Well, okay. Well, if you know what they're going to look at and you know what resonates with them, then you're tweaking the algorithm just like every other social media app in order to put the content that they want in front of them so they stay on the app longer. So I don't see how this is any different. Second item... Okay, 
Guys, cryptocurrency was supposed to be decentralized finance and allow corporations and or not corporations but uh, uh remove governments and big banks from the equation and power to the people how's that going for you department of treasury is putting all sorts of regulations in uk is doing stuff you know china's doing their own government crypto like you, if you on it like i hate to sound so cynical but if you really think that you're going to invent something that the government isn't going to try to get their fingers into i feel like you're fooling yourself Right. I mean, you can have some platform that no one uses that the government's going to be like, whatever, there's no threat here to us. There's no risk here to us. But anything that gets massive adoption, you, you are fooling yourself if you think that the government isn't going to intervene in some capacity. And we are seeing it hand over fist with cryptocurrency, which is a decentralized financial network. Right. So decentralized social network. It's, it's, it's the same thing. I don't know. I just I mean. This has got sizzle and Jack Dorsey has celebrity naming power. So I'm sure they'll get all sorts of investors and stuff and people signing up. But I just don't see how it changes the paradigm of the way social media networks work, the way that corporate and government uh, influences affect them. You know what I mean? And, and, then use social, and then use cryptocurrency as some type of like use case or case study. Spoofing vulnerability hits Azure SFX. Researchers at Okta Security found the flaw in Azure Service Fabric Explorer. It opens the door to potentially gaining admin privileges and hijacking clusters used for things like Dynamics 365, Skype for Business, and core Azure services. Orca discovered that users with a deployer role could use a single permission to create new applications in its dashboard. From there, the user could abuse admin permissions, like performing a cluster node reset, which would erase passwords and security configurations. Researchers found no evidence of exploitation in the wild, and Microsoft released a patch for the issue on Patch Tuesday. New uh, all right, so this is like really deep into the into the woods of Microsoft Azure. A lot of a lot of people use Microsoft Azure for like, you know, email and some servers and stuff. But you can host all sorts of like web applications and have. Um, continuous integration, continuous development, DevOps environments up in there, um, you know, like all that stuff. So apparently this, I mean, this is really deep in the, in the weeds here. So you would have to be a DevOps or DevSecOps engineer in Azure to, to really appreciate this. I mean, it is a good case study to, to keep in mind in case it ever comes up in conversation. But this SFX, which is this Service Fabric Explorer, which is a platform um, that allows you to like deliver, you know, mission critical apps, um, like in a, in a software as a service, uh, methodology or, uh, excuse me, paradigm H had some type of spoofing vulnerability that allowed you to gain admin privileges. So for a hot minute there, people who were pretty sophisticated were able to get admin privileges over all sorts of cloud apps. The only thing I would say here you know, I'm not a big cloud expert or anything like that. The only thing I would say here is if you work for a company that uses, that develops cloud software, cloud apps in Azure, right? Like continuous integration, continuous development, not just has a server up in Azure. You may want to investigate this and talk with your DevOps engineers and your cloud administrators about this. They're there is likely some type of indicative or compromise or audit log element that you can look at to see if this vulnerability was exploited. 
This wasn't massive news, so I suspect that this was a, a small window of, of being open and vulnerable and an even smaller window of exploitation, if it was exploited at all. Just because there's a vulnerability, just because there's a CVE, just because there's a known weakness does not mean that it was actively exploited. It just means that there, there's a known vulnerability. You still have to, in, in many cases, develop some type of exploit, deliver that exploit, which is easy if it's internet facing like these are, but you still have to deliver the exploit, have it successfully land, and then do something with it, right? So just having a vulnerability does not mean exploitation, okay? All right. Somewhere targets transport in Ukraine. Microsoft's Threat Intelligence Center detailed the work of a novel prestige ransomware. The group began targeting transportation and logistics networks in Ukraine and Poland with activity first seen October 11th. The ransomware used by the group appears unique with no ties to any active ransomware group. Prestige appears unique also in that it uses three different methods to deploy payloads. Two distinct approaches use the impacket tool to either create scheduled tasks or invoke a PowerShell command to execute a payload. Researchers also saw the group sending payloads through the default domain group policy object in an Active Directory domain controller. Okay, so... Um... Okay, so basically there's a new form of ransomware. And when they say new, they're saying that it doesn't look like any other forms of ransomware. So some newly created ransomware called Prestige. And it's targeting Ukrainian transportation things. Um, they did not say it was Russia-backed. But obviously if you're targeting Ukrainian transportation, you would think it was Russia-backed or pro-Russia uh, in some capacity. Um, you know, my initial thought was like, okay, some group is like, oh, hey, like, let's come up with a new ransomware variant, like maybe two months ago, three months ago, and start working on it. That way, if um, detections or defenses come up for existing ransomware, we'll be able to get in there. I don't think it was to remove attribution. Um, Ukraine, uh, Russia is very, very open about them attacking Ukraine. So I don't think there's any value in disguising who the threat actor is i.e. using an existing ransomware payload. It could also just be some new threat actor group that is um, like a hacktivist and they're very pro-Russia uh, and they want to support Russia in any way possible. Um, interesting target, I do want to point out, the transportation sector of Ukraine. Guys, uh, we are getting into the colder months of the year. Um, it's going to be very cold very bitter, very harsh conditions up there in Ukraine, Eastern Europe, Russia, um, as we as we continue or as this battle continues. So you have to imagine that heat, energy, supplies, transportation of those supplies to uh, soldiers and outposts and stuff like that is going to be massively critical. So this is kind of a long-term play. If you're hitting transportation, you're effectively impacting the, the military supply chain to actually uh, feed troops, supply troops. If if Ukraine is in Poland are getting support from you know NATO countries, how is that support being delivered to them? Typically through transportation, right? Trains, planes, automobiles, boats. Um, so this is kind of a long term play, but I, I honestly I fear that this is um, phase one of a multi phased approach of kind of jacking jaw jacking the um, the the impending winter. Uh, and how, you know, forces are, are what, what assets and resources forces have during the cold winter months that are coming down the pike. All right. So that's going to do it for 
That's going to do it for today's stream, y'all. Definitely appreciate y'all being here today. It's 1041. If you came just for the news, feel free to peel off. I do want to spend just a few minutes chatting with chat. I will be out tomorrow. The stream will be at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow, but our good friend Eric Taylor will be hosting it. I will be effectively off the grid uh, tomorrow, if you can imagine that. So <laughs> so uh, Eric Taylor has agreed. He does a fantastic job. In fact, I've even seen um, a faction of people who prefer Eric over me. Uh, so for those people, you're in luck tomorrow. Eric will be here. And um, we'll have a good time. Uh, we got a question here from 24-7 Machines about Kados from Google Anytime. I don't know about Kados, but uh, if you give me a second, let's just do real time. Let's just do real time and see what happens. Um, you'll have to give me more than that because I put in Kados Google and I got a Google Scholar link to Christina Kados and a Google map for some region called Kados. So uh, I haven't heard of it and it doesn't look like Google has either. So you'll have to give me more information. All right, guys, to be honest, I don't watch anyone, but Jerry, thanks, Adam. Adam V. Eric does good work though. Don't, don't, don't sleep on Eric. He does good work. Uh, thanks and have a great day. I prefer that. Both of you, thanks, Munchkin. Oh yeah, don't worry about it. Hey guys, you know what? I, again, Honestly, this, this individual who, who told me that I basically flapped my gums and uh, um, I have a big ego, you know, no harm, no, no foul. I, I have no problem with that. I do Simply Cyber to deliver value. I, I, I try to serve you all. So I actually provided that individual uh, links to CISO series so they could just listen to the news themselves or offered up the idea of cutting the intro and the outro by watching it on replay. Just want, just want people to get the news and reduce risk, man. We, we are way behind from the threat actors. We're, we're making progress, but, um, you know, we could use all the help we can get. Looks like I spelled Kados wrong. K-A-T-A-O-S, Google. Let's see what that comes up with. Google launches. Here we go. Kato launches Kados, an open source operating system for software security. So, okay, this is pretty cool. Just looking at it right now, I do appreciate the work that Google does. This looks like it's for embedded systems. So think of it as like an IoT operating system. Uh, looks like it works on 64-bit ARM platforms. Built on Open Titan. Yeah, this is cool. This is cool, guys. Here's the deal. If there was a IoT operating system that was more secure, Let's do it. Everybody on board. I'll be the first one, right? Here, let me, let me, uh, everybody on board. But the thing is, a lot of IoT systems, it's not because the operating system's insecure and they're getting popped that way. It's because they have default credentials, <laughs> right? Mirai Botnet, one of the largest botnets in like the mid 2000 teens, all it did was randomly pick IP addresses and then try like 60 different default admin credentials. That's how it spread and grew to over half a million nodes on the network. It wasn't some sick leet zero day, right? Now, if the CATA OS can deliver a good operating system that can facilitate IoT devices, as a consumer, I don't care if it's got Linux and BusyBox underneath or CATA OS. If there's no end user experience impact and it's more secure, 
I'm all on board. Like, like, woo, woo, get on the train and let's boogie. So 24-7 machines, that's my thought on that. Just based on, you know, the, the five seconds of looking at it I just did. Have a good one, Cyber Munchkin. It's 1045. I'm going to boogie out of here. Everybody be good. Thanks so much. Have a good one. And we will see you guys tomorrow, 8 a.m., 3.30 today for Jack Scott stream. I'll be in chat. Bye, everybody.